Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. Looks like Derek Carr's tenure with the Raiders is over. The Suns have some adversity to overcome for at least the next month. And situational success seems to suggest the Vikings are not frauds? Or are they? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Las Vegas Raiders solved it. They figured out the problem. It's Derek Carr. All right. I'm, I'm being undiplomatic about this, but Derek Carr is getting benched in Las Vegas in a season that has not gone the way that Raider fans and certainly the Raiders organization thought it would when they brought in Josh McDaniels and a new administration in town. Joining me from Locked On Raiders, it's your boy Q and Q for Las Vegas. You make the move for Devontae Adams. You pay up for Chandler Jones. This was a team that was trying to win games this season. They still have a chance at the playoffs. So why make this move to Jared Stidham now? That's a good question, right? Obviously, as you you know, things have not gone the way that any of us expected it to go here in Las Vegas in 2022. So I'm just looking at it and saying, you know what? They, they're having to make a decision. They have to make a financial decision. And, you know, whenever finances get mixed in with the NFL action, usually the business side of things wins out so the easy answer is there's a 40 million dollar reason why they decided to sit him down now and that is if he gets injured in one of the two final games 33 million dollars for 2023 and 7.5 million for 2024 becomes fully guaranteed and they don't want to run that risk uh clearly they're not firm believers in Derek Carr I guess is the easiest way to put it maybe the nicest way of putting it they're not firm believers in him so they want to try to move him in the offseason if possible. He has a no-trade clause, so he could deny everything and say no, and he could just walk away and retire like he said he's done, he would do. If uh, he was not a Raider quarterback, he said he wouldn't play football anymore. So we'll see if that's true. But they weren't going to be willing to risk that, uh, you know, that, 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 that risk to lose that $40 million if he were to get injured. So uh, that's the easy answer is that they're sitting him down for that. He's been excused from the team. He's not around. He won't be the backup quarterback. He's the third string and inactive, but he's not even around the organization. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's probably done for his career when it comes to the silver and black, but we've seen crazy things happen in the offseason. So who knows? The early indications from reports was, oh, this doesn't mean Derek Carr is, is gone forever. I don't know. It seems like this is over for Derek Carr. So That raises questions about the future of this organization. They bring in Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams wanted to be in Las Vegas to play with Derek Carr. So what kind of trickle-down effects do you think this could have on the rest of the roster and the way that they approach this upcoming offseason? I've been telling everybody that they better not have a plan. They better have the plan. Right. I mean, because that's that's I mean, that's what you said about Devontae Adams is spot on. He was in the Raiders locker room earlier today or earlier on Wednesday and was saying that, you know, I'm a Raider because of Derek Carr. I came to this organization because of Derek Carr. Posted his support for him on Instagram. Made it public. Yes, yes, he did. Yes, he did. And so he did say all the right things because, as you know, Devontae Adams is a pro's pro. He said, hey, I'm going to play out the the rest of this season. We have two games left. We have to, we're expected to go out there and give it our all and try to win games, and that's what we're going to do. And then, you know, the, the rest will fall where it is. And that was the last question that he said he wanted to answer about that. So – that wasn't a glowing endorsement to, hey, I want to be a Raider for the next three or four years. That was, I'm going to be a Raider the next two games, and then we'll see what happens after that. So as far as I'm concerned, the Raiders better get it right in the offseason. 
If Derek Carr is not coming back, which again, my gut feeling tells me he will not be back in 2023, then whoever they decide is a trigger man, it better be the right trigger man. It better be someone that 17 is is comfortable with, or 17 might not be in the silver and black in 2023. Can you can you give me some ideas of what you think the Raiders could be planning here? Like, are there are there quarterbacks who make sense for them? What kind of trade packages could they get for Derek Carr? Like, what what is the plan that makes sense for them? You know, I think that you have to go with the veteran. I don't think that Devontae Adams, if he is in fact going to be with the Raiders beyond this season, wants to catch passes from a rookie quarterback. I mean, look, you cover the Packers, you know. Uh, I don't think he was very keen mm-hmm. on catching passes from Jordan Love, and he and- wasn't a rookie even. And he wasn't a rookie. So I can't imagine you bring maybe the third or fourth best quarterback in the upcoming draft in and say, okay, Rook, throw the ball to to Devontae Adams. He's going to be thrilled about that. (laughs) So I think that you have to go. I think you have to get a veteran. I'm looking at the usual suspects, guys that have uh, Josh McDaniels ties. That's Tom Brady. He'll be a free agent. That's Jimmy G. He'll be a free agent. Mm. Um, Aaron Rodgers. But it would take a lot, as you know, to get him. There's a lot of dead cap money that would go into trading for him. Plus you have to give a bunch of capital unless they restructure his deal, which I don't think is going to happen, but I would say that that's probably a long shot possibility. And then other, and I don't know what other is, right? Maybe Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, but is that who Devontae Adams wants to catch passes from? I don't think so. So it's man. Like I said, they better not have a plan. They better have the plan. Stay up to date all year on the Las Vegas Raiders by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Raiders on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Phoenix Suns got some challenging news about their superstar guard. But first, the Detroit Pistons and Orlando Magic turned a basketball game into a Royal Rumble. You got to try this. I'm talking about Bilt Bar's new reimagined flavors, Cookie Dough Topper, Coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, white chocolate peppermint granola. Built's take on the granola bar so it's more filling and still insanely tasty. And of course, candy cane brownie puff. Can't Come on. Candy cane brownie puff? Are you serious? Built puffs are like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud. I had one today. I had one today. My wife had one today. And, and she turns to me and she goes, oh my God, these are so good. I'm like, uh, yes, I've been telling you. And she knows she's had enough of them, but this was a new flavor for her. She'd never had it before. And so she was like, oh my goodness. And that's why they're revolutionizing nutrition as we know it. 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and just 130 calories. It Just try it. You will see what I'm talking about. Get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Detroit Pistons really fought their way to a win over the Orlando Magic. I mean, that was a battle. Okay, somehow the Pistons found themselves in a brawl that was reminiscent of the Malice at the Palace. Well, not quite, but getting there on Wednesday night. I'm being faced with a dilemma here, guys. Host of Lockdown Pistons podcast, Kuka Hill here. Look, the Pistons... Look, the Pistons dominated this win. They got a really good win, played one of their better games of the year after a historic collapse against the Los Angeles Clippers the other night after playing a really good 45 minutes. They really needed this win, and they punched Orlando in the mouth early and never looked back. Now, speaking of punching, um, I don't know if you guys saw it. You guys may not have seen it, um, but Killian Hayes is probably gone for a few games. Uh, Mo Wagner, Steve Nashtam into the sideline. You know, I probably would have reacted the exact same way, um, and Killian got back up and, you know, did something I would have done, you know, it's something I would have done. Now, that doesn't mean it was the right thing to do at all, but Killing got back up, you know, it looked like he w- tried to push him in the back, 
But, you know, got a little bit of the neck, neck area, you know, and it wasn't all good. He got ejected. So, be tuned tomorrow to, you know, find out how long we're going to be without killing Hayes. But, great win by the Pistons. It may not have been the college football playoff, but the Liberty Bowl was fun. The Arkansas Razorbacks won by a razor-thin margin in Triple OT against the Kansas Jayhawks. Kansas falls in triple overtime in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl to Arkansas, 55-53. to Don't even know where to begin. Certainly frustrating for Kansas to come out on the losing end of things after the long comeback and, and the way it finished with not having Jalen Daniels, your best player, with the ball in his hands at the end there. Certainly unfortunate for Jason Bean with what he meant for the team as sticking around as the backup quarterback and that would have been cool for him to have that final play. Defense certainly struggled, but they did come up with some big stops in the second half to kind of keep you hanging around. Unbelievable fight, unbelievable comeback by Kansas and, and really, I think, continues the positive trajectory of this program. I think they'll be able to take this bowl and move it into the offseason as both motivation because you lose the game and also a lot of positives about where things are going and, and how good Jalen Daniels looked in that second half after a bit of a slow start in the early going. In the end, just too many mistakes for Kansas, too many turnovers, the special teams gaffe, the defense outside of that like four drive stretch against Arkansas in the second half struggles too much and you come out on the losing end. Jacques Vaughn has done extraordinary things reigning in the Nets and helping them flourish. After a win in Atlanta over the Hawks, Brooklyn has won 10 in a row and 14 of their last 15. A nail biter in Atlanta for the Brooklyn Nets. I'm Adam Arbuck with the Locked On Nets podcast, 108-107. Brooklyn survives to win their 10th straight game in a row. Combined with the Milwaukee Bucks loss, guess what? The two seed in the Eastern Conference, the Brooklyn Nets have now won 14 out of their last 15 games, and they now hold a 22-6 and record following the 1-6 and start to their NBA season. They continue to roll, and in this game, the theme has been about the formula that has worked for them so well under Jacques Vaughn. Having balance, getting players involved with Kevin Durant being a key facilitator, and then Kyrie Irving, man, just working the magic. This is a team that has not only showed chemistry and continuity, it's also shown conviction and the ability to take the blow, respond, and then lean into their superstars to dominate. We'll continue to break down these games as the Brooklyn Nets are becoming a bit of a joggernaut in the Eastern Conference over on the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Where some saw a hopeless 4-0 deficit after the first period, and mm, doesn't that seem hopeless? The Detroit Red Wings saw opportunity. They completed the comeback, winning in overtime against the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Detroit Red Wings complete the comeback, beating the Pittsburgh Penguins 5-4 in overtime. And when I say it was a comeback, they were down 4 to nothing at the end of the first period. They allowed four goals on 12 shots in the first period. They pulled their goaltender, replaced him with Magnus Helberg, getting just his second game as a Detroit Red Wing this season. And he made 19 saves on 19 shots against. The second period, they just turned it all around after what was a flat first, their first game in a week. But they just absolutely turned the Jets on. They ended up uh, finishing the game with 46 shots on net. Casey DeSmith, Left it all out on the ice for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but the Red Wings were relentless in periods two and three. Goals from Dylan Larkin on the power play, Joe Valeno, Jonathan Bergen, David Perron on the power play, and then Jake Wolman gets the overtime winner and hits the gritty. 
So it's going to be an exciting game to recap. So stay tuned for Lockdown Red Wings. And the Boston Bruins got a road win over the New Jersey Devils. After a shootout loss in Ottawa last night, the Boston Bruins bounced back with a win over the Devils in New Jersey. This is Ian McLaren, host of Locked On Boston Bruins. And the Bruins got goals from Trent Frederick, the game winner from Patrice Bergeron, and an important insurance empty net goal from former Devil Pavel Zaka to secure the win. Linus Allmark standing tall in net once again, improving his season record to 21-1, which is just insane in today's NHL. The Bruins will play one more game Saturday afternoon before hosting the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Winter Classic on Monday. Be sure to catch all the latest on the black and gold on the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Here is another story you need to know. The Phoenix Suns fell to the Washington Wizards 127-102 on Wednesday night, but that was not the story of the day. It was that Devin Booker is going to be shut down for at least a month with a groin injury. That is not great news for a team that is trying to fight its way back after an underwhelming 2021 campaign. So where do they go from here? Brendan Clean from Locked On Suns joins us to try and figure this all out. And, and Brendan, not great timing for a team that, that you get Chris Paul back. DeAndre Ayton plays a terrific game but you lose to a Wizards team, and that's sort of indicative of where they are right now. So so how do you make do over the next month? The easy answer would be a trade, right? We've known that the Suns uh, need to trade Dre Crowder, who's been sitting. They have some other options there. That's been sitting there all season. I think the sense of urgency is going to be even more heightened, but they just got a new owner. And so can they even make these trades? What are their options? I think that's what's on Suns fans' mind right now. I think the other one is just get healthier aside from Devin Booker. No one's really worried about this becoming an extreme severe injury. He just needs to rest it. But they have guys like Cam Johnson coming back from a meniscus tear, Cameron Payne, Landry Shamit, just some of these guys that were in the top 10 of their rotation on opening night who they've lost along the way that really at this point, when you look at how ugly some of these games are, would, would really help. I think the, the thing that, that for me, when I look at this, I go, okay, well, if you're trying to evaluate whether or not you need to take a swing for the fences kind of approach to the trade deadline or a let's just improve on the margins kind of approach to the trade deadline, this muddies those waters, right? So how do you, as whether it's Suns ownership, whether it's the Suns front office, approach the next month and say, okay, we need to figure out how we can best uh, project where we are so that we can make the moves that we need to make that are the best for the organization. I think that we know now the Suns need a big swing. Um, And I had been, I think the question is is how big. I I had been talking on Locked on Suns about this period leading uh, up until January 15th. And then at that point, DeAndre Ayton becomes trade eligible and from then until the trade deadline was really just this series of checkpoints of test moments for these players these core players that we've thought of as the very future of the Phoenix Suns for a long time now and it's not to say that I'm ready to blow the whole thing up just because of what's been a tough season but I think that's it's heightened now it is harder to measure but those players individually can still show you 
that they bringing that they're bringing it every single night. They haven't so far, and yes, it's not their normal role. There are some difficulties. Minus Devin Booker, he's going to be now be coming back basically right before the trade deadline. But I think that that test moment is still here. That's still the case for this team. It's not so much do they need a big move or a fringe move. It's how big of a move do they need? Is it just a Crowder plus a first round pick type of thing? Or is it start to look at some of these core players and, and really, really disrupt what this roster has been? And I, we were there before. And I think this injury just kind of makes it th that way even more. They're, they're going to be fighting to stay out of the play-in tournament at this rate. And they might not even be 500 when Booker gets back. Yeah, and, and I think that's what, in a way, makes this a bit fortuitous because if you want to make a big swing, it's showcase time for DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges and some of these guys who would be appealing trade candidates if you're going to go for the big fish that might be out there. Do you, Brendan, do you have someone in mind? Is there a, a target if you're looking at this that go, hey, if we're going to take a big swing, like this makes sense for Phoenix? Is it the same name we were talking about in the summer, potentially? Like, like what are what are the options here? Yeah, that guy uh, is playing like an MVP. His name is Kevin Durant. He's yeah. not available as pretty, far as pretty anyone good player. knows. Pretty good player <laughs> and a pretty good team that he's on. And so, no, I don't have a, a, an obvious answer. I think you look at Toronto, Pascal Siakam. It's too early to know which of the really big fish, if any, become available uh, this year. But I think you really do start to have to look at those names because we already know Chris Paul was going to be 37 heading into the season. And if the other players around him aren't ready to take that step forward, you're talking about a team that's just not as good as they were last year. Stay up to date all year on the Phoenix Suns by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Suns podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, does situational success equal overall success? for the Minnesota Vikings and doesn't prove that they're actually good. The Minnesota Vikings have had a great regular season. They won their division. They still have an outside shot at the number one seed in the NFC. Still, doubters exist. It me, a doubter. I got together with Locked On Vikings host Luke Braun to discuss the Packers-Vikings matchup this week, and we found ourselves in a heated discussion about Minnesota's success. You see things like Mark Ingram going out of bounds on Monday Night Football when he's not supposed to. That kind of stuff. The Vikings are very good at avoiding that. They're very good at avoiding penalties. They're very good at all these other things on the margin, on the margins that that tend to add up over time. But so and don't, don't get things, caught. Why don't those things matter in the first quarter and the second quarter and the third quarter? Why do they only well, matter? Situation themselves in the fourth quarter? because those situations because they matter are when still the clock's in the first quarter. When the clock matters, they matter when the clock matters. And, no, they and, matter in the first but, quarter. But a touchdown in the first quarter counts as seven, just like it does in the fourth quarter. Like, it, if, you, if you're a good situational team, you should be good first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, too, not just good in the fourth quarter. Like, the thing about those Patriots teams that were truly situational ma masters is they did it all the time, not just in the fourth quarter. And the Vikings don't do that. Do you know what situational football is? It's the yes, fourth quarter. You, it's but, clock but, management. But we're not talking about just the fourth quarter. Situational football is red zone. Situational football is third down. Situational yeah, football is Yeah, great in the red zone. <laughs> they're like, amazing. They're like the fourth best red zone team in the league. Not just the fourth quarter. Yeah, they're great in the red zone. They're great on, on third downs. I think they generate like the fifth most first, first downs in the league. Um, And I, I th if you look at the end of these games. They're, they're, the a mediocre, they're a mediocre offense on third down or mediocre defense on third down. They're a very good offense in the red zone. If you look at the way that they've navigated these end game situations, especially. um, But I mean, I don't know. I think I saw you post that you think red zone is luck, too. So I don't know where we're at on. on no, red zone games. is noise. 
But let's but, say the but, Vikings but get average. My, my what do you point think their is, record should be? What do you think? They're 12 and 3. What do you think it should, should be? A five win team, 10 win team, 2 well, win team? What are we talking the, about? The formulas that we use to predict these, to, to, to assess these things, say that they should be like estimated wins by, by football outsiders, say they should be a six win team. Now, I don't think they should be a six win team, but I certainly don't think they look like a 12 win team. And finally, the Carolina Panthers brought back Josh Norman by adding him to the practice squad this week. Before receiving a call from Coach Steve Wilkes, Norman was getting his coffee shop, Omni Coffee and Eggs, up and running. Norman's shop is across the street from former Panther Cam Newton's cigar shop. When asked why he came back, Norman answered, it truly was about charity and giving back to these kids and helping them out as much as we could. Wilkes said Norman looked good in Wednesday's practice, the corner's first full workout with the team. He said the plan is to bring Norman off the bench and have him play outside on special packages. Wilkes admitted that Norman is in shape, but not game shape. We'll see what Norman brews up for the Panthers' defensive backfield. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, will the Titans end their losing streak against the Cowboys? Probably not. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.